Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.04 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the seventh day of the seventh month of 2023. This is episode 751 of Bitcoin. And you got to go to Aspenwood. You got to do it. You're going to have to go, man. You're going to have to help me orange pill that entire valley. It's up to all of us to find a place that we can just center on and just continuously hammer and hammer and hammer. And I will have a link to the VRBO website for the Aspenwood house, which you can stay in for the low, low price of about 250 bucks a night. Yeah, I know. It's like, God dang, that's kind of expensive. Dude, it's a whole house. It's, you know, three full bedrooms, a full kitchen. It's got a porch. It's clean. It's got everything in the kitchen that you would ever need. All you need to do is bring yourself your kids, your clothes, your pets, because we are pet friendly, and your food. We don't provide you food. No, that's just never going to happen. It's just not. It can't afford to feed you as well. In either event, you are 15, anywhere between 5, 10, 15 minutes, up to two hours away from a lot of places that people (laughs) really want to go see, like Mesa Verde National Park. Uh, there are lakes, there's fishing, there's hunting, there's all kinds of stuff. And it looks like I was looking at uh, availability and most of, all of July is pretty much spoken for. The first part of August is spoken for. Uh, when you get into September and September, October and November, which is prime hunting seasons, you are open. If you want to go hunting in some of the most beautiful places in the world, uh, the San Juan, you know, uh, San Juan National Forest in the San Juan Mountains in Southwest Colorado, you can, you can go do that. Uh, if you don't want to drive, because if you're far enough away that you're like, dude, I'm not driving 10 hours to go to this thing, then you can hop a plane because Durango, which is about 45 minutes away from the house has an airport and there are rental cars. There's all manner of stuff that you can just fly into Durango. In fact, you can fly into Durango via America Airlines or United. And if you can get a flight to Denver, Phoenix, Dallas, or Houston, uh, which is the Houston one is seasonal. So if you fly into Houston, you got to fly to Houston when they're actually running flights to Durango, but Denver, Dallas, and Phoenix uh, are year-round, and you can get into uh, Durango. If you go in midwinter or early spring, you can go skiing as well. So please consider bringing yourself and your uh, inimitable uh, love for orange-pilling people in the San Juan Mountains and go stay at the house in Colorado. There will be a link in the show notes. Now, Jim and I 
has finally pulled the trigger, ladies and gentlemen. They were waiting patiently. Honestly, I was really surprised that the Winklevi waited as long as they did to do what? To sue the digital currency group. They're suing the umbrella company directly. All right, so here it is. Turner Wright, Cointelegraph, Gemini Files lawsuit against digital currency group and Barry Silbert over Genesis and its earned program. United States-based cryptocurrency exchange Gemini has announced legal action against the conglomerate digital currency group, or DCG, and its CEO, Barry Silbert, claiming fraud against creditors. In a July 7th filing in a New York court, Gemini alleged DCG and Silbert engaged in a scheme involving lending huge amounts of cryptocurrency in U.S. dollars to Genesis. According to the filing, Gemini seeks to recover funds incurred as a result of DCG's and Silbert's false, misleading, and incomplete representations of omissions to Gemini and their role in encouraging and facilitating Genesis's fraud against Gemini. Adding the firm would also pursue legal avenues in Genesis's bankruptcy case. Genesis, a DCG subsidiary, has been the crypto lender responsible for operating an earned program in partnership with Gemini, which launched back in 2001. The program claimed Gemini users could loan crypto to Genesis with the promise the firm would repay it with interest. However, the firm halted withdrawals in November of 2022, citing unprecedented market turmoil and subsequently filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. According to the July 7th Twitter thread from Gemini co-founder Cameron Winklevoss, Silbert knew Genesis was massively insolvent when attempting to continue the EARN program. The complaint included alleged false financial reporting from DCG and Silbert, starting with the collapse of Three Arrows Capital back in June of 2022, which blew a $1.2 billion hole in Genesis balance sheet. Winklevoss has claimed that Genesis and DCG owe $900 million to Gemini's clients. Quote, Barry, DCG, and Genesis all conspired to create false financial reports to hide the truth from Gemini and creditors. This fraud goes to the very top. Barry Silbert and other DCG executives were directly involved in these lies, and they lied again and again to conceal the truth from Gemini and other creditors. The fallout of the EARN program made both Genesis and Gemini targets of federal and state regulators. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission filed a suit against both firms in January for allegedly offering unregistered securities, and New York's Department of Financial Services was reportedly investigating Gemini over claims in its EARN program. Winklevoss has made repeated threats to sue DCG and Silbert over delays in resolving the issue between Gemini and Genesis, most recently issuing an open letter to the CEO proposing a best and final offer of $1.47 billion by 2028. Cointelegraph reached out to DCG, but of course they didn't say shit because they're going to get their ass sued. Okay, that's the end of the article. Now, <clears throat> I got to hand it to Cameron uh, to well, well to the Winklevi for being as patient as they have. And honestly, they have been patient. Now, you can hate the Winklevi or you can love them or be completely neutral about them, but actions speak louder than whatever meme is floating around Twitter and Noster and, God forbid, threads. Uh, we'll get into threads. Don't worry. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, but they have been patient. They've been very patient. In fact... 
they pretty much were the are the I think this is the last link or the the last I don't know kick in the face that is going to cause DCG to actually completely fall apart and DCG really needs to fall apart I've said it before I'll say it again DCG the entire group of companies needs to completely disassemble itself so that we can get on with the next phase of the future this this is the last section of forest to burn and it's one of the largest forests to burn why am I talking about forest well because you got to go to Aspenwood, but more importantly, because I'm always talking about the amount of fuel that builds up in a forest under circumstances like that, you know, the Department of Interior of the United States just absolutely for the last hundred years has not allowed any forest fires to actually burn. There's just like a fire starts up and it's evil. Well, if the fire is not allowed to consume all of the fuel that, you know, dead branches, pine cones, pine needles, you name it, dude, especially in drier in dry environments like most of the United States forests are, technically it's kind of a desert when you get when you look at just rainfall. So there's not a whole lot of moisture to be able to activate fungi and enough bacteria to be able to, you know, break all this shit down and return it to soil. So it just sits on the surface of the ground and it's dry as tinder and it catches fire and it's there's so much fuel that it burns so hot that it in fact kills the trees whereas in a natural environment without somebody running around with Smokey the Bear you know telling people that they suck because they have a match it, it in a natural environment that shit burns off but it doesn't ever get so hot that it actually kills the trees we're in the same situation here We've got so much fraud and bullshit and hubris and narcissism and just whatever in this entire space that all this fuel has built up. And that's why all these things are so bad. And DCG is the last pocket to burn completely down. And it really does need to burn down so that we can cleanse the rest of this bullshit out of the system. Systems that, you know, contain people like, you know, Bitfinex. Which got some good news today. Decrypt, Matt DeSalvo tells us more. Bitfinex has recovered $314,000 of the $3.6 billion stolen in 2016 Bitcoin hack. So they got a pittance, but hey, they got something. Let's find out how. Crypto exchange Bitfinex today announced it had recovered $312,000 in cash and 6.9 in Bitcoin cash uh, today worth $1,951 stolen during the 2016 hack. Jesus, this is a pittance. In a Thursday release, the exchange said it received the assets from the United States Department of Homeland Security. British Virgin Islands-based Bitfinex is working with law enforcement to recover assets from the hack years ago and return it to customers. Today's recovery is just the tip of the iceberg. Clients lost a lot of Bitcoin and other assets as hackers made away with around 120,900 BTC in the hack, currently worth $3.6 billion. At the time, the stolen coins were priced at $72 million. The Department of Justice said last year it had seized most of the stolen assets and arrested two people on charges of conspiracy to launder the stolen cryptocurrency. I'm pausing to remind you that the people that they arrested, there's no way they could have been the hackers. They did, it's like 
a, a, like a couple of YouTubers and TikTokers. You know, it's like a husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend pair, and they're just they they don't have the chops to be able to hack Bitfinex. Something deeper occurred. Just keep that in mind. But the assets need to be returned to customers nonetheless. Quote, we are extremely pleased to be able to reach another successful milestone in the recovery of assets stolen from Bitfinex in 2016, said Paolo Arduino, Bitfinex's CTO. We look forward to recovering as much of the stolen Bitcoin as we possibly can and redistributing that to holders of the tokens that were issued in response to the hack in 2016. The recovered assets will be given to hodlers of Bitfinex's recovery right tokens, digital coins issued to users who lost money in the hack. After the hack, the thieves moved the the stolen crypto a number of times. A blockchain forensics expert previously told Decrypt that he thought hackers were moving funds between exchanges with fewer know-your-customer protocols, a process known as chain hopping. But it didn't work. Eventually, U.S. law enforcement was able to find and get a hold of the stolen funds in the largest cryptocurrency seizure to date, unraveling a sophisticated laundering technique. Yeah, there's no way the people that they say were behind this hack were behind this hack. There's absolutely no possible way. They just, they're a front. Somehow or another, they were duped. These two individuals were duped into playing this part and I'm not sure if it's going to be worth it for them because I I just don't see anybody anybody coming out of this shit alive but be that as it may somehow some way a measly $317,000 has been returned and oh all of 6.9 bitcoin cash I don't know man something about this reeks it reeks of bait somehow or another and I'm not sure how but I don't care because Jesse, yeah, Jesse Powell is back in the news. Jesse Powell is the former CEO of crypto exchange Kraken. What the hell happened here? Well, the FBI apparently searched the home of crypto exchange founder and found some stuff. Let's find out more. This is written by David Yaffe Bellamy or Bellany and Ryan Mack for who? None other than the New York Times. So take it with a grain of salt. The FBI searched the home of the cryptocurrency executive Jesse Powell back in March as part of a criminal investigation into claims that he hacked and cyber-stalked a nonprofit that he himself founded, three people with knowledge of the matter said. The investigation focused on an allegation by the nonprofit that Mr. Powell, who also founded the cryptocurrency exchange Kraken, had interfered with its computer accounts, blocking access to emails and other messages, the people said. Agents with the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of California have been looking into Mr. Powell since at least last fall, three people with knowledge of the case said. Agents searched Mr. Powell's home in the Brentwood neighborhood of Los Angeles and seized electronic devices, according to a person familiar with the search and documents reviewed by the New York Times. Prosecutors have not accused Mr. Powell of any crimes whatsoever as of yet. Brandon Fox, a lawyer for Mr. Powell, confirmed that he was under investigation by federal prosecutors in Northern California. Mr. Fox said, The investigation was focused on the allegations by the arts group Verge Center for the Arts and in no way related to Mr. Powell's employment or his conduct in the cryptocurrency arena. He also said Mr. Powell did nothing wrong. Now, a crack 
Kraken spokeswoman said that the Verge investigation had nothing to do with the company and that Kraken had no reason to believe that prosecutors were investigating other potential issues. An FBI representative declined content, but a spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of California declined also to confirm whether an investigation was underway. Everybody's being real tight-lipped about this one. In recent months, federal investigators have cracked down on several of Kraken's competitors. Sam Bankman fried blah, 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 FTX, Crypto Exchange, yeah, 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 was charged with fraud last year while Coinbase and Binance face government lawsuits. A key figure... In the early history of crypto, Mr. Powell, 42, built Kraken into the second largest U.S. crypto exchange behind Coinbase. His company has faced years of legal scrutiny. In recent months, prosecutors have examined allegations against Kraken and Mr. Powell that were made in a wrongful termination lawsuit filed against the company in 2019, two people familiar with the probe said. In that lawsuit, a former Kraken employee accused the firm of earning revenue from accounts in countries that were under U.S. sanctions and claimed Kraken's bank accounts were missing millions of dollars of customer deposits. The suit was settled in 2021 after a judge dismissed the employee's claim that his firing was related to the sanctions issue. Last year, Kraken paid $360,000 in fines to settle Treasury Department charges that it had violated sanctions by allowing users in Iran to trade digital currencies. In February, Kraken paid a $30 million fine to the Securities and Exchange Commission for offering an investment product that the agency said violated securities laws. Mr. Powell founded Verge, the Sacramento Arts Group, all the way back in 2007. Last year, the group removed him from its board of directors, citing his failure to attend board meetings and violations of the organization's guiding principles, according to court records. The removal took place after an article in the Times detailed Mr. Powell's efforts to incite debates about race and gender that some Kraken employees found offensive. After Mr. Powell's dismissal, he blocked Verge from using its website emails and internal messaging systems and improperly access confidential information stored in those accounts according to a letter that Verge's lawyer Philip Cunningham sent to Kraken in November the letter was reviewed by the Times last month Mr. Powell sued Verge in state court in Sacramento claiming his ouster was improper and that he owned Verge's digital accounts Mr. Cunningham Verge's lawyer said Mr. Powell's claims doesn't have any merit In September, Mr. Powell announced he would step down as Kraken's chief executive while remaining chairman. He was replaced by Dave Ripley, Kraken's chief operating officer, who took over the firm in March. All right, so it's interesting because some of... uh, Let me go to No Bullshit Bitcoin. Hold on. NoBSBitcoin.com because they've got a little bit either more or... Let's see, where the hell was it? Um... Arts group. Where was it? Yeah, there's there's something odd about the uh, that somehow or another this is connected. According to the way that NoBSBitcoin.com is laying this out, they've got a tweet here from uh, Jack Newsham, dated June the thirtieth. So you know, a little over a week ago. That and here I'll just read it verbatim. And this has everything to do with this FBI search of of Jesse Powell's home. It says, Crypto Exchange Kraken ordered to turn over users' information to the IRS. 
And then here's the part of the, I guess, the FBI filing that states it. For the reasons stated above, the court grants the petition in part and orders that Kraken shall produce the following documents for Kraken users with any combination of accounts having at least the equivalent of $20,000 in value of transactions regardless of type in cryptocurrency in any one year for the period January 1, 2016 through December 31st, 2020. The name... The date of birth, the taxpayer identification number, the physical address, the telephone number, the email address, uh, all documents described in request number four for the period described above, and number eight, all transactional ledgers responsive to request number five, I guess that's telephone numbers, for the period January 1, 2016 through December 31st, 2020. In all other respects, the petition is denied. So apparently the FBI wanted more, but the court is just going to grant them this, which is, by the way, enough, right? It's very difficult to tell what's connected uh, between this request of the FBI for this stuff from Kraken and the fact that, quote-unquote, the entire search and seizure of Jesse Powell's, you know, well, search of, not seizure, but at least the search of his home in California was only to do with this Verge Center for the Arts. Again, I smell a rat because there's that's the there's nothing. Social security numbers and addresses and telephone numbers and email addresses about cracking accounts has nothing to do with the fact that Jesse may or may not have blocked access to the Verge Center for the Arts website and emails and internal messaging. It doesn't make any sense. So I call a rat. I don't think, I I think that this entire investigation was just trying to be able to have a reason. And now they have it to get all this information out of the Kraken exchange. Now, will Kraken actually just pony up the uh, records without a fight? I don't know. I mean, Jesse Powell fought them before and kind of won. Uh, but now they're going after them again. So we will, we will have to see, but you know, this shit just doesn't seem to ever fucking end. Now let's get into this one. Bitcoin startup labs, summer 2023 cohort gears up to propel growth in the Bitcoin ecosystem. BTC Casey, Bitcoin magazine, Bitcoin startup lab is gearing up for its summer 2023 cohort, bringing together industry titans, investors, and innovators to fuel growth in the Bitcoin ecosystem. With a focus on collaboration and mentorship, the pre-accelerator program aims to enable founders to create innovative solutions on Bitcoin. The program spans 12 weeks and has doubled the number of participating teams from the previous cohort reflecting the increasing interest in the Bitcoin startup space. The summer 2023 cohort will have the privilege of learning from top industry minds who share a vision of building a thriving Bitcoin economy. Mentors and ecosystem supporters include Tyler Evans, managing partner at 2140 Bitcoin Ecosystems Fund, Jason Fang, founder of Sora Ventures, Jameson Lopp, CTO at Casa, and Danny Yang, the founder of OnChain Monkeys. Oh, God. These mentors, among many others, contribute their collective wisdom and experience 
experience to foster unprecedented innovation and growth in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Bitcoin Startup Lab goes beyond theoretical education and provides a platform for the cross-pollination of ideas and technologies. The program grants founders access to potential investors and equips them with the skills needed to lead successful businesses. Additionally, Bitcoin Startup Lab organizes events like the Bitcoin Olympics Hackathon, the first ever Ordinals uh, Hackathon on a global scale, as well as the first Bitcoin Hackathon to bring together leaders from multiple Bitcoin protocols, a press release shared with Bitcoin Magazine described, with the second hackathon scheduled for the fall of 2023. In addition, the press release noted Bitcoin Startup Labs collaborations with Bitcoin technologies like DLCs, Taproot, Ordinals, BRC20, ZKP, Lightning, Rootstock, Stacks, ICP, Interlay, Arc, Babylon, Space Chains, Drive Chain, and many, many more. Albert, the founder of Bitcoin Startup Labs, stated, quote, our mission goes beyond nurturing founders. We are fostering a movement. The best way to advance the Bitcoin economy is to bring together thought leaders from the most prominent protocols in Bitcoin, end quote thought leaders. Oh, my thought. <clears throat> the program attracts not only average investors, but also serial entrepreneurs and managing partners, providing participants with invaluable networking opportunities and exposure to influential leaders in the Bitcoin industry. With its expanding network and an ambitious cohort of founders, Bitcoin Startup Lab aims to usher in a new era of innovation. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there because that's just suit speak. But Bitcoin Startup Lab, if you want to be part of this, it's go, there's going to be two sections. This year, there's the summer, which is going to be 12 weeks, I guess. Yeah, 12-week program. And then there's going to be another one in the fall. So if you are somebody who's interested in doing that, you can go to btcstartuplab.com. That's btcstartuplab, all one word, dot com. And uh, bring your fire, brothers. Bring your fire. And if you need a secluded place to uh, finish the project, you can always go to Aspenwood. Uh, hey, man, I'm doing my best here. SEC approval of spot Bitcoin ETF is unlikely to be a game changer for crypto markets, according to our friends over at JP Morgan. Coindesk, Will Canny is writing it. <clears throat> Any United States Security and Exchange Commission approval of a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund will not be a game changer for crypto markets for a number of reasons, J.P. Morgan said in a research report on Thursday. While the SEC has yet to approve such an ETF, despite receiving shut the fuck up, dog. Sorry, despite receiving numerous applications, there is no now more optimism that the regulator will approve one because some of the previous concerns are assumed to have been addressed in recent filings. Quote, spot Bitcoin ETFs have existed for some time outside of the United States, like in Canada and Europe, but have failed to attract large investor interest. Analysts led by Nicholas the wrote, can't pronounce his name, a unit of BlackRock filed paperwork last month for the formation of a spot Bitcoin ETF, prompting other asset managers such as Invesco and Wisdom Tree to apply or reapply as well. Quote, Bitcoin funds overall, including futures-based and physically-backed funds, have attracted little investor interest since the second quarter of 2021, 
also failing to benefit from investor outflows from gold ETFs over the past year or so, the report said. Physically backed Bitcoin ETFs offer some advantages over future-based funds, but these are rather marginal, the note said. Spot ETFs offer a more direct and secure way to gain exposure to Bitcoin, removing some of the complexities around direct custody and transfer of BTC and the basis risk associated with futures-based products. Quote, Spot ETFs are more likely than futures-based ETFs to reflect real-time supply and demand, and their approval in the United States would bring more liquidity and enhance price transparency in spot Bitcoin markets, the report added. All right. So, yes, we've had spot Bitcoin ETFs in Canada and Europe for some time. That part of the report is absolutely correct. However, their assumption that because they haven't gotten any, you know, very much, you know, I don't know, interest or whatever, in my opinion, is kind of beside the point. I'm not rah-rahing for a spot Bitcoin ETF because it's a price suppression mechanism as far as I'm concerned. I may be wrong. We'll have to see. But be that as it may, how much cash is in Canada and Europe that is literally available at the retail level or at an institutional level, representing a whole shit ton of retail people. What I mean by that is like, you know, pension funds or uh, uh, retirement funds, because a spot Bitcoin ETF is the only way, and a futures ETF is the only way that funds like that or uh, companies and institutions like that can gain access to exposure to some type of way, shape, form, or fashion of of Bitcoin itself. Not, I don't think it's that much. I honestly think Canada is in it is in a even shittier spot than the United States, and Europe just look looks like it. The European Union as a whole looks like it's just burning down. All right, let's be let's be very honest with each other. Even if it wasn't, what does a spot Bitcoin ETF that is United States based represent? Well, what does the United States represent, at least right now, in the world? It's basically the center of the financial world. Nobody fucking does anything without the United States doing it first. Spot Bitcoin ETF from BlackRock or Wisdom Tree or Invesco or Kathy Wood's ARK Invest, whatever. Whichever is the first one to come out of the gate is probably going to cause something to happen, but it will be a chain reaction. Now the people in Canada will go, oh shit, we've got access to a Bitcoin spot ETF. The people in European Union will go, oh shit, we also have access to a Bitcoin spot ETF. Because they probably don't really know that much about it. They pro- I mean, there's probably not a whole lot of people haranguing their HR manager saying, I really want exposure to this. I, I really want to have this in my retirement account. But if the U.S. does it, then all of a sudden, Financial Times, New York Times, The Economist, uh, you name it, man. Everybody's going to be writing stories about it. It's going to go all over the world. And then all of a sudden, it's be like a touchstone. So why is J.P. Morgan interested in, I don't know, shitting all over everybody's parade? Again, not calling for the, the Bitcoin spot ETF myself because it's a price suppression mechanism. But there are a lot of people that are really excited about it, and I'll give them their due. Why would J.P. Morgan be at all interested in squelching that fervor, that want, that need, that I got a hodl or I'm going to die? 
because they're doing the exact same thing that Larry Fink was doing back in the day. Basically telling everybody in their dog that Bitcoin is just a money laundering mechanism. And now here's Larry Fink's BlackRock trying to launch what would be the first accepted Bitcoin spot ETF in the United States and therefore the financial world. JP Morgan is trying to squelch that. That's what I think. I don't think JP Morgan is doing anything other than what Larry Fink was doing at the at the get-go, trying to keep, I'm not interested, while all the time doing what? Probably buying Bitcoin. All Honestly, all these guys need to be ejected by cannon fire out into the sun. Let's run the numbers. God, CNBC is such a dumpster fire. Their top five trending stories read, Former FBI agent shares three things people with high emotional intelligence do when talking to others. Uh, The number one way to grow your wealth, according to a self-made millionaire. It's deceptively simple. We're not giving up on this struggling entertainment stock. Here are our reasons. This is just just clickbait. The entire right-hand column of CNBC right now is just fucking trash. Now, let's get into oil. It is up, or at least West Texas Intermediate is up 2.13% to 7333. Brent North Sea is likewise up 1.86% to $77.94. Natural gas is the only loser today in energy. 1.65% to the downside, $2.56 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline up one and a half. Why? Because it's summer driving season. You'll be paying $2.58 on average at the pump, wherever the hell that pump exists. Gold up almost a full point to 1932.6. Silver is up 1.77% to reclaim over $23. Platinum is up almost a full point. Copper is up one and a third. Platinum is up a half a point. Lumber is up a third of a point. Most of the other agricultural stuff is down. Biggest loser today going to be, let's see, corn is down 1.88%. The biggest winner is cotton 1.72% to the upside. I got livestock. Live cattle is 1.33% to the upside. Lean hogs down one and two thirds. Feeder cattle. Again, I say feeder cattle is 1.08 to the upside. And we are apparently saved because all the indices of the equity markets are all up, including Dow, which is up a third. S&P is up two thirds. NASDAQ is up three quarters of a point and the S&P mini is up 1.65% real money chilling out at $30,336. That's after close to half a million Bitcoin changed hands in the last 24 hours. 0.87 BTC is the average transaction value. Uh, 104 bucks is the median transaction value, also known as 0.0034 BTC. Block times are now low. Very low, eight and a half minutes long between blocks. I got 0.119 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and just over 20 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. (coughs) Pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. I got 
a hash rate increase of just over 2%, bringing us up to 373.12 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is up as well. 6.6 United States pennies, so that tells you what the field of trash is doing today. I got a $587.7 billion market cap. Uh, that is 4.62% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may spend one of your Bitcoins on 16 ounces of shiny metal rocks. Uh, there are 19,422,493.11 BTC in circulation at the time. And 5 million, no, I'm sorry, 5 million, 5,438.8 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $164.6 million with 16,340 nodes that we can see, 69,906 payment channels that we can see, and 63.6% of all this shit's being run over Tor. Mempools, what do they look like? They actually look like they might be clearing at least a little bit. Uh, look at it, just over 103 blocks. Wow. Carrying a measly 152,000 unconfirmed transactions. And again, wow, transaction prices are super low in, well, relatively. Five Satoshi per V per byte for high priority, five for medium, and five Satoshis per V byte on low priority. Everything underneath 1.39 Satoshis per V-byte is being purged from mempools around the world. And I have been purged from the bottom of the, you know, I'm, I'm now in the 50s chart on uh, Fountain App. Thank you again. Thank you. In fact, this time I think I've reached all the way back up to number 13. So uh, you guys really came out of the woodwork for me. I appreciate it. And I never will not appreciate it letter 6173 with the striper boost 7777 says thank you for all the dedication to the cause sometimes it's hard to continue to be this dedicated but it's worth it because it's the future dubrovko with a thousand says i'm glad that you and your two remaining brain cells are back i was starting to get worried glad we don't have to talk you back off the ledger get it <laughs> Pies with a thousand himself says top 10 LFG. That's right. Let's fucking go. Peter or Pitar with a thousand says UAE LFG. Dubrovko coming back with another 500 says help Bitcoin. The price of rent is too damn high. Pies coming. Pies is yeah. Pies coming back again with another hundred says thank you, sir. No, thank you. And before I leave you today, might I remind you that the Verbo listing for House Aspenwood in beautiful southwest Colorado in the gorgeous San Juan Mountains, harboring the unpossibly unmatchable beautiful beauty of the San Juan Forest, will be in the show notes. And I advise you and all of your friends to go stay at the house. It's a fully-fledged house. It's got three bedrooms, three full bathrooms, one full kitchen. It's got porches. It's got a pond. It's got a stream. It's got a grass. It's got a dirt road outside. And by the way, one of the neighbors keeps goats. So if you want to go see what a goat looks like up close and personal because you've lived in a city all your life, this is your chance. Now, that's the weather report. Ready for some possible hyperbole? <clears throat> Arthur Hayes brings it to you. William Suberg is writing the article, however, for Cointelegraph. 
Headline, artificial intelligence has the potential to send Bitcoin price over $750,000, according to Arthur Hayes. (laughs) Oh boy, let's find out how. Bitcoin will be the currency of artificial intelligence and could reach a price per coin of $760,000 in the process, Arthur Hayes said. In his latest essay entitled Masa, The former BitMEX CEO concluded that the AI revolution would naturally gravitate towards BTC. Despite fiat currency regimes being destined to become ever more dysfunctional in the future, Hayes says, there is one burgeoning economic uh, sector which will only go from strength to strength and that is artificial intelligence. While still nascent in 2023, the coming decades will see an explosion of AI-related implementations, which will make it ubiquitous and unavoidable. I got news for you. It's been ubiquitous and unavoidable. You just haven't noticed it yet. Quote, recent advancements in compute power have brought us to the cusp of a hockey stick moment in which AI will go viral and change the course of humanity virtually overnight. In only two months, ChatGPT reached 100 million monthly active users, making it the fastest adopted technology in human history. So, just imagine how quickly everything is going to change as AIs are integrated into everyday life and continue to learn and improve. End quote. When it comes to integration... The financial solution on the table, first and foremost, Hayes says, will not be a tailor-made AI-focused altcoin. It will be Bitcoin instead. The reason an accompanying theory states is that AI will view Bitcoin's inherent qualities as the logical choice. Quote, an AI is unlikely to allow itself to rely on anything that a human government operates. Therefore, only gold and Bitcoin are suitable. A tie between gold and Bitcoin, Hayes said. Quote, Bitcoin is thus the logical currency choice for any AI. It is purely digital, censorship resistant, provably scarce, and its intrinsic value is completely electricity cost dependent. There is nothing in existence today that comes close to challenging Bitcoin on these aspects. End quote. From around $30,000 today, the real effect of AI should kick in in around three years' time. After that, Hayes said it could be another, you know, decade before the network value boost from AI sends BTC to nearly $1 million. Quote, I believe the peak of deranged growth investing will occur in the 2025 to 2026 time frame. Therefore, the goal of my predictions regarding the future price of Bitcoin is to form a narrative that takes hold before then. Depending on the scale of that investing, BTC price action could see up to $760,000 per coin. Quote, remember, the market will overpay for Bitcoin network growth if it believes there is a possibility that my assumptions could be true in the future. Part of Massa concludes, quote, the most money is made when the market price adjusts from can never happen to maybe could happen. There you go. Hayes is well known for his bullish long-term perspective on Bitcoin, recently championing a million-dollar price tag as a function of fiat currency disintegration. All right. Okay. So this is, honestly, I love Arthur Hayes. I really do, man. He's been a solid Joe for years and years and years. Uh, I hate to see what happened to BitMEX, but I am glad that the 100 and, well, 100x leverage bot is is no longer able to to wreck people's lives because... 
As much as I like Arthur Hayes, a lot of people got their lives wrecked on BitMEX because of that 100x leverage. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just, I don't know, search 100x leverage BitMEX and you'll you'll find it. It's not pretty, but you'll find it. Still, however, Arthur Hayes gave people what they wanted. They wanted to be DGEN and leverage 100x over. He gave it to them. And he's rich as shit on the other end in either event. Even though he's that he's he bears a lot of responsibility for destroying a lot of people's lives, I have to say that he just basically gave people what they wanted. Now that said, <clears throat> do I believe this prediction? I don't know. I see where he's coming from, but I kind of I'm looking at this as basically like hubris, not not even hubris, just wishful thinking, right? Like you know, taking a whole bong full of hits of hopium and laying back going, yeah, bro, I'm going to be rich as shit. Well, maybe. Here's what's likely to happen between, you know, now and then. AI shit coins. They're coming. I'm honestly surprised that they're not already here, but they are coming. So the narrative is going to be the following. Buy our AI shit coin. It's better than Bitcoin. Why? Because it's AI powered. It has an AI engine. It's going to be whatever narrative you hear, I guarantee you it's going to be centered around that base narrative. If you buy it, you just lost your money. In any one of the projects that you will see over the next over the coming months and years, these AI coins that are coming up and AI bridges and AI DeFi, it'll be AI-Fi. I guarantee you'll see AI-Fi somewhere. If somebody wants to trademark that right now, go right ahead. I won't sue your ass. <clears throat> but AI-Fi will be a thing. All these things are going to be a thing, and it's going to be just plugging the word AI into, I don't know, the old Polygon paper and calling it something else. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that, you know, mortgage their house and lose their futures because of it. Don't let that be you. And for God's sakes, do your best to make sure that it's not your friends and family members either. You don't want to see that happen. You really don't want to see that happen. Now, from that end of AI to this end of AI, new developer tools enable lightning and AI communities to build cost-effective large language model tooling. Maybe this actually has something to it. Who knows? Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Yesterday, Roast Beef and Michael Levin of Lightning Labs announced the release of a new set of developer tools aimed at empowering the Lightning and AI developer communities to create inclusive and cost-effective large language model tooling. These tools leverage the Lightning Network and Bitcoin to seamlessly integrate with LLMs, or large language models. They are built on the L402 protocol, a Lightning native authentication mechanism and Langchain, a library that simplifies working with AI agents by incorporating external data for advanced functionality. One of the tools included in the release is Langchain Bitcoin, which enables Langchain agents to interact directly with Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. It includes features such as LLM Agent Bitcoin Tools, which utilize OpenAI GPT function calls to enable developers to create agents capable of holding a Bitcoin balance. 
sending and receiving Bitcoin on Lightning and driving with an LND node. Another tool, the L402 HTTP API Traversal, is a Python wrapper for a Langchain LLM API chain that uh, that allows agents to access L402 payment metered APIs seamlessly. Aperture, a drop-in reverse proxy server, is also part of the release. It implements the L402 protocol and transforms any API into a pay-per-use resource-gated via L402 functionality on the Lightning Network. The latest version of Aperture now supports Lightning Node Connect protocol, enabling compatibility with various Lightning nodes such as Voltage, Umbral, Start9, Raspi, Blitz, and BTC Pay Server. The L402 protocol introduced back in 2020 is a standard for payment metered APIs designed to utilize the existing HTTP 402 payment required status response code. It combines Bitcoin and the Lightning Network to enable global micropayments for paid APIs. The protocol allows for authenticating and charging per use of internet native services addressing challenges faced by the AI developer community, such as the high cost of GPU training and limited accessibility to advanced LLM models. By providing these developer tools, the creators aim to build more accessible AI infrastructure for both humans and AI agents. They are particularly excited about the AI for All hackathon taking place this month, where developers can leverage the tools to unleash their creativity and innovation. The Lightning and AI communities are encouraged to explore the potential of these new tools and contribute to the development of the machine-payable web powered by Lightning. All right, so remember what it was that Arthur Hayes was saying. As much as I think there's a lot of hopium in what he was saying about the price, I don't think that in the end he's actually wrong because it probably will be the case that an AI would look at a whole slew of, you know, shit coins and then at Bitcoin and go, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. But that's not really based on intelligence. That large language models aren't really intelligent. However, that doesn't mean that it might not be able to draw some conclusions and just say, hey, look, the weight of my model suggests that Bitcoin is it. With what we just read with this whole L402 protocol, that fits perfectly with what where Arthur Hayes is looking at in the future. This shit now starts accelerating fast. You can hate AI, you can think AI is stupid, or you cannot give shit one about AI, but it's here. It's going to remain here. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's going to start permeating parts of your life the, ones, the parts of your life that you don't notice, it permeates first because it already has. You know, you walk into a grocery store and your, your face has been scanned 50 times in the first 10 minutes, right? Do you think that that data stays right there? Given what we know, no, 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 it doesn't. You walk into a Walmart, they could probably, they have enough, I guarantee you Walmart by themselves has enough data of you, your face, your hands, your arms, your clothing to do an AI model of your ass and predict what you'll wear to the store next time with an 89% accuracy. Okay, I don't know that for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I'm just saying, take note. Do not sleep on this shit. 
you might want to check out L402 protocol and learn more about it for yourself. Because what I would love, even though this doesn't have directly have something to do with the L402 protocol, I would still like an AI agent to be continuously balancing all of my lightning channels to make sure that I had good fluidity on, on the incoming side, as well as the outgoing side, because honestly channel management is a pain in the ass and I don't like doing it, but it is what it is now. FOMAC. Yeah. The fed apparently has released some minutes. FOMAC minutes show uncertainty, but cautious optimism. Large Bitcoin investors are taking divergent paths. We'll talk about this one from Coindesk and Glenn Williams. Let's read it. Federal Open Market Committee minutes released on Wednesday from the June meeting suggest that central bankers are uncertain about the economy's fate in the months ahead, how their thinking figures into rate hike decisions and could profoundly affect crypto markets. Meanwhile, the number of Bitcoin whales has increased, although their distribution has shifted. The FOMAC minutes show Fed officials cautiously forecasting the possibility of economic recession within the next six months, followed by a moderately paced recovery. They also voiced expectations that such a recession would be neither deep nor prolonged. Jeez, these fucking people. Still, they appear to be walking a tightrope with a recent decision to pause rate hikes coming across as a first do no harm approach to monetary policy. The economic or U.S. economy has been more resilient than the FOMAC expected. Conflicting economic data has created uncertainty. For example, at 8.15 a.m., ADP employment data showed that private business created more than 497,000 jobs in June, the most since February of 2022, and well above the expectations of 228,000. A mere hour and 45 minutes later, the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, or JOLTS, showed an unexpectedly large contraction of job openings during the very same period. While the larger investing community wrestles with macroeconomic data, some Bitcoin whales have grown in size, even while displaying some of the same uncertainty as the FOMAC. Excuse me, pardon me. Bitcoin whales are investors holding more than 1,000 BTC. And since June 14th, a day before the asset management giant BlackRock's filing for a spot Bitcoin ETF, the number of whales has increased 1.6%, reversing a short-term downtrend that began on May the 20th. The distribution of supply among whales implies differing levels of confidence. Investors holding 1,000 to 10,000 BTC have risen 90,396 BTC or 2% higher since June of 14th. A similar gain occurred among investors holding more than 100,000 BTC. Their supply grew by 3%. But since June the 14th, the supply of BTC for investors holding between 10 and 100,000 BTC has fallen 10%. This group views risk differently and has less confidence in Bitcoin than the other two whale cohorts. As the macroeconomic environment comes into focus, investors should monitor which cohort made the more profitable decision. Well, there's no way to freaking know that until, you know, way later. So I I, honestly, I read this one for the FOMAC minutes and what they were saying more over than the, uh, the disposition of the pods of whales floating around. I'd, I don't have 100,000 BTC in my pocket, so I don't really give a shit. Um, But 
will the will the Fed raise rates again? Because if they do, all hell breaks loose, at least in, in BTC first. But the bond market will take a hit. People holding on to treasuries every single time that the Fed raises rates, the underlying value of the bond asset itself by nature must go down. So people directly lose money, even though they're making more interest on those bonds, except the bonds that they're holding, their interest rates don't change. That's why their price gets suppressed. If they sell it and buy new bonds, then they get to be able to take part of the new interest rate. But a lot of these instruments, if you got a 10-year bond, you can't sell it back to the treasury yourself. you got to find some other rube to buy it from you because they got to hold it until maturity. So that, when the prices, well, when the interest rates on bonds go up, if you bought a $100 bond, let's say, at 5% interest rate, and it goes up to 6% interest rate four months after you bought it, you don't have $100 in that bond anymore. You may have 95 Now multiply that by 100,000 bonds, and that's what small banks have as assets. So guess what happens? More bank closures. Uh, uh, uh. And it also sends ripples of fear through the Bitcoin markets, which causes institutions, which, by the way, are in Bitcoin. They're not coming. They're already here. Because when you have a report that you know retail doesn't read, and 15 minutes later you get a a thousand point or a thousand dollar price differential to the downside in Bitcoin, that ain't retail. That's institution, right? So it'll send fear into those markets as well. We're in for a bumpy ride. I I wish I could tell you what the price was going to be, but I'm I'm just not going to do that shit. Uh, now this one, BTC Casey, Bitcoin magazine, BIPA, B-I-P-A, a Brazilian startup aiming to simplify financial transactions through Bitcoin has announced the successful closure of its seed investment round, raising eight or no, actually $1.4 million US. Notable investors include Newform Capital, a venture capital fund focused on early stage startups involved with blockchain technology in the financial market and Hivemind Ventures, which invest in startups with a Bitcoin focus, which both made their first investments in the Brazilian market through this round. Founded in 2020 by Luiz Pereira, BIPA seeks to eliminate entry barriers and promote the use of Bitcoin by providing a user-friendly digital account connected to instant payment network uh, PIX or the Brazilian Real. I don't know why they put that there. And Lightning, which represents Bitcoin. According to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, the startup aims to attract users who find the process of buying and selling Bitcoin challenging and struggle to understand exchange operations catering to a broader audience seeking simplicity and convenience. The press release stated that the funds raised will support BIPA's expansion in the market, attracting new users and developing new business-to-consumer products. Uh, Quote, our mission is to make people using the BIPA application pay for coffee every morning, Pierre said. Currently, Bitcoin usage remains niche in Brazil, with BIPA's primary focus on the local community. However... 
The company plans to broaden its reach and bring the financial and technological revolution of Bitcoin to more individuals. To coincide with its growth plans, BIPA has unveiled a new visual identity, emphasizing its accessibility and simplicity. The redesigned brand features a spring-shaped B logo symbolizing impulse and employs a lively and colorful palette. Perioria hopes that the rebranding effort and improved user experience will encourage individuals outside the current Bitcoin ecosystem to join BIPA with the goal of bringing over 15 million Brazilians into the Bitcoin community. According to data from the Investor X-Ray report by the Brazilian Association of Financial and Capital Market Entities, approximately 6 million Brazilians, which is 3% of the population, declare investments in cryptocurrencies. With this investment round, BIPA aims to tap into this market potential and become the go-to option for those seeking an entry point into the Bitcoin industry. So Brazil marching on. Again, my favorite places to watch the continent of Africa and Central and South America and Eastern Europe, Balkans and uh, the Baltics. That's the only people that I really give a shit about because the rest of the world has been poisoned by the West's financial views, values and limitations. They are the, the West is going to be the last to really find serious adoption Africa and Central and South America, on the other hand, and Eastern Europe and the Balkans and the Baltics, that's a different story. They need it more. They understand currency devaluation and debasement at a fundamental level of retail people. Like your regular uneducated Joe off the street understands more about currency devaluation than Mark Zuckerberg. Guarantee it. Anyway, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, got a joke for you. Why did the golfer get mad? He got teed off. I just came up with that one on the fly, although I'm sure it's been done before in either event. Uh, watch the AI space as it starts to connect with Bitcoin and Lightning. It's You don't want to miss that one. It doesn't mean that I'm in love with AI or that I hate AI or that I'm even neutral on AI. It's a tool. It's like refusing to use a crescent wrench when only a crescent wrench will do or refusing to use a hammer when you need to do something that requires, you know, something taking a pounding. I'm just saying, if you're not watching it, it's going to get away from you. And if it gets away from you, then it becomes a predator, right? If you know where the wolf in the forest is, it's not a predator because you can put your sights on it and blow it away if it decides to act in an aggressive manner towards you or yours. But if you don't know or somehow or another you got distracted or said, ah, you know what, that wolf, that, eh, that pack of wolves over there, I don't really care. Yeah, it's going to circle around your ass and it's going to wait until you go to sleep. And then it's going to run all up and down your ass. Do not sleep on this, even if you hate it. Even if you really believe it's going to ticker gerbs. Even if you absolutely believe that 100%, you cannot afford not to watch this shit. And please, 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 somebody who actually really loves AI, would you please 
develop an agent that I can launch on my lightning node that will balance my channels for me while I sleep. Do that and uh, yeah, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.